0: It's such a privilege to be able to be here, to worship with you, and to uh, share God's word with you. Uh, This morning, we will wrap up our series on Ephesians, and so if you've been with us for the last several weeks, we've been studying the book of Ephesians, the the letter that Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, Uh, and I'm excited to close off in chapter 6 I'm going to read this to you, and then we'll get to work. But just know that chapter six is a little—it gets a little interesting uh, and a little bit weird. So it might get weird this morning, but I hope that's okay with you, uh, because it's in the scriptures, and, and so therefore uh, it's something that we got to talk about. So uh, it is in chapter six. We're going to start from verse ten all the way down to seventeen, and so you can just read long, you can listen, you can look at the board, uh, the wall. But here's what the word of the Lord says. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on the evil day and having done everything to, again, stand firm. You'll notice that Paul uses the word stand several times over and even in the original language, Greek, uh, it's the same word. So just pay attention every time he says the word stand. So it's 14, stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. Uh, With all these, take the shield of faith uh, with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you've brought your word to us to learn, to grow, to implement in our lives in order for us to thrive and live a life that you've called us to live. And sometimes that uh, requires talking about and wrestling with and navigating through uh, areas that are uncomfortable, that are, that are s- strange, that the things that we may not always talk about but are real. We face every single day of our lives this wrestling between the powers, between good and evil, between you and Satan, the evil one. We know and we can rest assured that you are even more powerful and even more strong. And that's the hope that we cling on to. We thank you. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, I would say when I, when I think about all the lessons that I've learned in my life, uh, there's been several times, <laughs> for better or worse, where someone would come to me and say, and say, Prentice, whether it's my parents or some good friends, would say, Prentice, uh, I have to tell you, the world is bigger than just of yourself. Okay. Now, this may be during times of selfishness or or things where I just feel like it's all about me. Uh, During seasons where I think uh, these hardships only happen to me or good times only happen to me or whatever it is, uh, there's been moments in my life where someone comes up to me and says, Prentice, the world is bigger than just of yourself. And I have to say, thinking back at those very words, uh, those were the biggest teaching moments of my entire life. And not only just to me in my life, but especially in context of my faith, my relationship with God, and how I understand even the basis of Christianity, that in our faith and the way we understand God and where God has placed us, we all have to understand that the world is bigger than just of ourselves. I know it's hard to forget, remember that. I know that's hard to, to even admit that because we, we live in a culture where the world is all about us. Ourselves, we're consumers. The world trains us to be consumers. We go around the shopping malls, we're on the internet, around the ads. You know, even churches these days uh, being very consumeristic, uh, where we ask the question, "Well, what's in it for me?" The, the society in our culture teaches us that it's all about us. But what the scripture, and especially what Paul is saying, is this bigger picture of saying, hey, first of all, you have to understand, Prentice, and, and everybody else, and even the church of Ephesus, the world is bigger, and is filled with things that are bigger than just of yourselves. And so here's where I'm going with this and this idea is that as Christians, we cannot ignore this reality. We we simply, we cannot ignore this reality. That there's real powers. Okay, I know this is where it's going to get kind of strange. There's real real powers at work that are bigger than, than what our eyes can see, that our brains can comprehend, that our hearts can even wrap around. And, and, and this is where I say it gets a little weird whether you're a Christian or not, or whether this is your first time at church, or you're new to this thing. You have to know that uh, as people of faith, th- this is a real thing. And we really believe these are things that we wrestle with, whether you acknowledge or not, uh, every day of our lives. It's this idea that there's real power, or, the, or the, what Paul says, cosmic powers and authorities. Uh, it is this word cosmos katore which is the only time cosmic katore is in the bible at all one time and it means uh, divine powers and we wrestle with this every day whether you know it or not, and, and you can call it spiritual battles. We go through spiritual battles. You can call it spiritual warf- warfare. You can describe it as as good and evil, Jesus versus Satan. Uh, and, and and again, this may sound very uncomfortable to you, and, and even borderline scary because these trigger words like exorcisms and, and all these weird things happening, but the reality is, and this is the most dangerous part, is that the way that this battle happens, the way that good and, and especially evil exposes itself is through subtle ways. And again, we engage in this almost every day, though intimidating and scary as this issue or subject is. I mean, isn't this the very reason that, that, we, that we pray Again, for those of you that claim to be followers of Jesus, prayer is an important aspect of our lives. And what, what is it that we do when, when we pray? We ask God for healing. We ask God to, to reveal something. We ask God for direction. We, we ask God for clarity because it's something that we can't see or it's the unknown. We ask God for, for strength. And at the end of the day, this is direction, this is clarity, this is strength, this is healing that can only come from the divine. In other words, it's only something that can happen supernaturally. And whether you want to say that or not, that's exactly what prayer is. It's understanding that the world is bigger than ourselves, we can't handle this we can't go through this we can't find solutions to this we can't bring our own healing so we say because we acknowledge that the world is bigger than ourselves we have to call to a higher power that is more powerful and stronger and more divine than our own selves and essentially that's what prayer is so every time you pray which hopefully is every day while you're driving, while you're sleeping, while you're awake in the mornings, and while you're speaking to God, you have to understand every day you're engaging in this spiritual cosmic battle. Cosmic powers. Cosmic struggles. This wrestling, this navigating that is happening right in front of us without us even seeing. And... As followers of Jesus, we do this through through prayer and through other ways, but you have to acknowledge that in in this world that we live, it's not just within Christianity that we we believe this. I I mean, have you ever heard yourself say, or or maybe someone around you say things like, man, I think think the universe is just against me today, or I think the universe is for me today? Or or if you ever said something like, uh, or heard someone say, oh man, I just feel like there was a... It's like there was a higher power that, that, that led my decision. Well, even if they're not Christians, they would, they'd use language of that sort. Or, or my gut told me. My gut told me to, to do this or say this, and it worked out. Or something inside of me just didn't feel right. I mean, we hear this all the time. And what I would propose and submit to you today is that th- this cosmic power is more visible and more alive and more real when, and especially when, Jesus is at display. See, see, we, we understand that cosmic powers and spiritual battles uh, and really Satan dealing with Satan is a real thing. And I would say it's more real and it's never more real than when we display Jesus. Than when we display, not just speak of the gospel, of the good news, of of evangelism. That's not what anytime we act and look like and treat people and love and serve and be generous the way that Jesus is. Oftentimes, and you'll notice in your own life, when you're trying to do what's good, what's right, what you believe is holy, what you believe God has called you to do, I can't speak for every situation, uh, but it's no coincidence that when that happens, something happens. There's a problem. There's a conflict. I mean, we experience this every, you may have experienced this this morning when you wake up and you you said to yourself, I don't want to go to church today. I don't want to, you know, make the drive. I'm too tired. And there's every excuses in the world. And again, I'm not just boiling this down to your church attendance, but I'm saying some of us may have experienced this morning without even knowing it. And and I would tell you, though, I can't confirm every experience being a, a spiritual battle or just, just. You're just tired. Maybe it's, you're just tired, and and so I can't diagnose every single problem. But perhaps some of you guys have experienced this. Just even this morning, waking up, saying, "Man, I don't want to go to church this morning." Could I submit to you that perhaps even right then and there, you were going through a spiritual battle? You know, again, it's not just uh, during times of church where you, you feel contested, where you feel God's Word and God's calling to you is contested, but uh, when you've decided to when when you want to be generous rather than greedy, sometimes that's what God calls us to do, and we feel like sometimes that does that doesn't always work. It gets messed up. See, some of us we've tried to do what's right, and it didn't work out. Well, what happened? Well, some of us, you know, we, tr- we try to love others and treat others the way that Christ calls us to do. Like, And you say to yourself, you know, I'm just going to love. I'm just going to forgive. I'm just going to pursue because that's what God calls me to do. But then there's a fight or there's an argument or there's people being disgruntled or unwilling to forgive on the other side. Oh, or again, there's times where you just want to give and be generous. Because that's what God has called you to do. And yet that backfires somehow. Or or there's times where uh, you, you feel like in your jobs you want to take a shortcut. Or you want to cheat. Or you want to pursue this temporary satisfaction. But you say, no, I'm going to do what's right. And yet it doesn't pay off. I mean, maybe you, you have decided to say, you know what, I'm going to love my spouse. I'm going to love my friend. I'm going to love my family member, no matter what, because that's the right thing to do. The next thing you know, you're fighting with one another. Again, can I suggest to you that perhaps any time or many of times when we are trying to do what's right, what is godly what is holy that those are the moments that satan wants to intervene and say no and thwart those ways of you trying to do what's right again ephesians chapter 6 let me just read the beginning part to you again it says finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his power that's very intentional that paul says that he says finally be strong in the lord And in the strength of his power. Subcontext, don't just depend on yourself. Don't feel like you have the strength to do that. Depend on the Lord and the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God. So that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Again, this word stand comes up multiple times in this chapter alone. And then he says, for the struggle is not against enemies in blood and flesh. Subtext, the the, the problems in the conflict, though on the outside it looks like doors are being shut, relationships are being broken, uh, there's conflict, there's arguments, it's hurt. Uh, On the outside it may seem like the problems are arising uh, out of the people around you or even within yourself, but Paul is saying, well, wait a minute, it's not just with the people around you. It says, uh, it says, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So what we have to understand is that Paul is writing in a real time, in a real place, with real issues. As we talked about week after week, uh, it's important that we understand w- what Ephesians is all about. Uh, it's this letter written to the people of Ephesus, Hence, Ephesians. And Ephesus was a booming city in the the ancient Near East. Uh, And within the Roman uh, Empire, it was the third largest town, area, of the Roman Empire. It was, uh, because it was so big and such a big port of commerce and trade, uh, and of all different cultures coming together, uh, it was very diverse. It was an intersection of, of various civilizations. Anatolians, Greeks, Persians, Romans, Egyptians, Jews—by definition, this is what it was a very multi-ethnic city. But with the multi-ethnic uh, people in, in their own tribes and their own beliefs and in their own religion, came worship of and practices of their gods that they brought to Ephesus. And so, Ephesus was known to, to first of all, have. Many different cultures, but with that, many different religions uh, and, and heavy practice uh, of worship of, of pagan gods, uh, especially, and we've talked about this before, uh, Ephesus had a covenant relationship with Artemis, the, the Greek goddess of fertility. And so this idea of spiritual battles and this spiritual realm in Ephesus was a big deal. It was a real thing. It was a very normal thing to talk about and to wrestle with. And so when Paul was talking about spiritual warfare and spiritual battles, this was very common language to the people of Ephesians. Because this is something they were dealing with all the time, because one tribe or one culture would bring their God, and their God would be the God, and every other God they would have to fight off. In fact, they would buy uh, statues, and they would buy um, different metal objects, uh, amulets, which are that is to kind of to, to thwart off and to cast off evil spirits. And there was actually a big business for that, as we talked about previously. And so this was during a time where spiritual warfare and spiritual battles, this this idea of cosmic power was a real thing. And and it showed up in real ways, uh, like with spiritual attacks and and all these different things that we may not see today. And what I want to say, and what Paul is saying is this, he's saying, get ready, because that time will come and is coming. And perhaps some of us have already experienced it just waking up this morning, And this whole idea is it may not look like what we imagine, all right? When we think of spiritual attacks, you know, for me, I think of the movie The Exorcism, all right? It's really scary. I've actually, technically, I've never seen it. Uh, But there's this, you know, old uh, horror flick where people would be possessed by by the devil and, I don't know, they would, like, Have all these magical powers and float around and levitate and I I don't know. Like uh, I think of scary movies, but what if what if being attacked spiritually uh, wasn't as as uh, it was more subtle and it wasn't as uh, demonic or or uh, like movie like? And I would propose to you and suggest that it actually is. And and another movie quote that I came across. I think this was in um, the Usual Suspects. Uh, was this, he says, the greatest trick, and I believe this, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the world that he didn't exist. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the world that he didn't exist. And so again, uh, when we talk about spiritual battles and experiencing that, we might say, no, that's not me. I've never experienced that. I've never levitated. I've never seen people you know float or you know you know possessed with demons and that and that may be true and I'm actually not saying that doesn't happen because you know different areas of the world like things like that that happens because the cosmic powers are real and they're powerful but maybe in your own life it doesn't look like that and we miss it because this is what we're looking for uh, and so the devil's trick is actually working uh where it says The devil's greatest trick—and it's not very biblical; it's a movie uh, quote—but it's so real that the greatest trick that the that the devil ever played was to convince us that the devil didn't exist. And oftentimes we live into that, like that is a real thing, because we have this false notion that whenever someone's attacked by Satan or when we're experiencing spiritual warfare, that it has to be like the exorcism movie, like when in fact it's very subtle. It's very subtle. Maybe to us, it looks like greed, in our own greediness, in our own injustice, in our own addictions, in our own anger, in our own hatred. Now, I'm not saying that anytime you're angry with someone, you're possessed by the devil. But what I'm saying is, I wonder if there's spiritual attacks that are happening almost every day of our lives, without us even knowing. And there's a danger to that. There's a danger to that. Because it convinces us to, to change directions, to change our, our, change our ways. You know, sometimes God calls us to, do, to pursue something. Maybe it's to pursue a business, Maybe it's to pursue a relationship. Maybe it's to stay in a relationship. Maybe it's to love. Maybe it's to forgive. These are all things that are the fruit of the Spirit. If you want to look like Jesus, if you want to know that this is of Jesus, go to Galatians. Go to the fruit of the Spirit. Patience, peace, kindness, these are the gifts that come from God. This is how you kind of have this evaluation. Okay, is this of Jesus or is this not of Jesus? Is this of evil? Is this of Satan or, or not? And I would say the first test is go to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. Do you look like Jesus? Are you loving? Are you pursuing like Jesus? And sometimes, and oftentimes the answer is Yes. And if the answer is yes to you, you have to be prepared to be, quote-unquote, attacked or to be thwarted or to have contests with the devil. It's just a reality of our faith. And so again, going back, if you feel like God has called you to do business or to start a business, keep going. Don't stop. You are going to get resistance. Doors will shut, people will tell you not to do it, Uh, finances might get messed up, something might happen, but if that's God's calling for you, do not stop, keep going. If a relationship or a marriage or, or whatever it is, it's hard, and there's these voices, I can almost imagine like Satan and devil, I know we see this in cartoons, but there's almost a little bit of a reality to it. And so oftentimes, we're being pushed or tempted to go ways that are outside of what God wants us to do. God calls us to love and to forgive and to be in covenant with one another, and yet there's this voice that says, no, go, go, leave, leave, argue, fight, bicker, whatever it is. And God's like, no. And I would argue, maybe you're feeling attacked. But keep loving. Maybe you need to forgive somebody and you want to forgive somebody, but there's that temptation of you saying, No, I don't want to forgive, because then that person will win. There's ego, there's pride, whatever it is. And then you have to decide, Do I want to forgive this person or do I not want to forgive this person? Well, God calls you to forgive. God calls you to forgive. The the whole idea is this. The idea is that when we pursue what we believe that God is calling us to pursue, you better get ready for attack, for resistance, for even closing of doors. But this is where stand firm comes in. Three times Paul says stand, stand, stand. And, And the way that Paul writes this idea of stand, he writes it, In this phrase, stand or stand firm or withstand with this idea and this assumption that something is trying to knock you down. And so, Paul is saying to all of us, especially to to Ephesus, is that there's gonna be people that are gonna try to knock you down. There's different false religions, there's different pagan gods, there's different uh, even metal artifacts, there's people that don't want your religion in this city. These are the people that are going to stop you from proclaiming the gospel. Even Paul was sent to prison for proclaiming the gospel, the good news, the healing, the resurrection of Jesus. And even in his own experience, Paul says, you're also going to experience thwarting and conflict and pushback, but stand firm, keep going. But he says, don't stand firm on your own powers because then you're going to fall. He says, stand firm in the Lord, in his strength. Remember a few years ago, we were, I was watching TV, and it was during one of the hurricanes in Florida. And it was a, it was a tragic scene where uh, this news person caught footage of the winds and in the, in the water. Someone was in the floods, uh, and there's cars being wiped down into the street. And I remember uh, the news person caught on film this person grabbing onto a stop sign. Grabbing on, and he, he was floating, and then he held onto the stop sign. And through the winds, and through the flood, and through the waters, uh, and through essentially the hurricane, he, he didn't. He didn't just stand up there and say, you know what, I'm just gonna hold my breath, I'm gonna squeeze, uh, and I'm gonna just stand right here. Can you imagine? Obviously, he wouldn't, but can you imagine if someone did that in the middle of a hurricane, saying, you know what, I can do this? Well, what do you think would happen? Clearly, that person would be wiped down with the cars. But he says, uh, you know, I can imagine this person in the flood saying, you know what? I can't do this alone. I see a post. I see a, a, a stop sign that is in concrete, that is, that is, you know, has foundation, that is planted into the ground. I'm going to hold on for dear life because I'm going to stand, I'm going to withstand the winds and the, and, the, and, the, and the hurricane and the waters and whatever it is. I'm going to stand firm right here. And he survived. And I imagine that story because oftentimes in our lives, when we are trying to pursue what God has called us to pursue, again, whether it's a job, a career, a fighting for relationships, whatever, to, uh, you know, this willingness to give and be generous, there's going to be times where you'll hear a voice and say, it's not worth it. Don't do it. You can be generous with your money, but guess what? You're still going to be poor. You can be generous with your forgiveness, but guess what? That person will never forgive you back. You can say, you can pursue this business, but guess what, I'm going to start closing doors. That's just a reality. Because when we pursue what God has called us to do, whatever it is what we're doing, word or deed, we're putting Jesus on display. And anytime we put Jesus on display, Satan is going to attack. And so what are the ways that you feel like Satan is pushing you down. Paul is saying, like the person in the hurricane grabbing onto dear life, Paul says, stand firm, not on your own might. If you feel like you can figure it out, if you feel like you can open the doors, if you feel like you can make all the right decisions, that's just not true. I'm sorry to say that. It's just not true. And that's the very reason, especially us as followers of Jesus, we pray, we say, God, give us wisdom. Because going back, what we're saying is the world is bigger than of ourselves. So God, help me. God, direct me. God, give me strength. And how do we do that? So first of all, Paul says, be strong. That's an imperative. In the Greek structure, there's, uh, they don't necessarily just use exclamation marks or question marks or plural, uh, although they do They have a different way of writing that. And these words of stand firm, be strong, is in the imperative form, essentially, essentially saying, be strong, exclamation mark. How? By putting on the full armor of God. See, this word armor is used a lot, especially in the first century because other false religions and other false pagan gods of worship of Artemis, they would have different type of armor to protect themselves from evil spirits of different gods. So they would you know, go to, to, um, to these shops where there are people that would sell actual armor, believing that they would thwart off evil spirits of the day. And Paul is saying, you know what? The armor that you need it's not of, the, of what the world offers, because oftentimes the world offers you a lot of armor. Hey, you know what? Forget God's will. Man, you can be rich. There's armor. Forget God's will. You, can, you, know, you, can, you don't have to forgive. You can live your life, just you and the people that look like you, the people that eat like you, the people that breathe like you, the people that dress like you. Just go over there. You don't need it. Or the armor of fame, of status, of upward mobility, of relationships. Oftentimes we substitute that as our real armor, just like they did in the first century. And what Paul is saying, no, 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 the armor that you need in order to continue to fight for what God has called you to do is the armor of God. And there's a whole other sermon that I can do just on this armor, but he says, take up the truth. The belt of righteousness, right, he said, take up truth, righteousness, put on shoes, take, take the shield, take the helmet, take the sword. And I love that he kind of goes down. Obviously, there's much more that you can do to prepare yourself, but he highlights a, a, a few things uh, by itself. He says, hey, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. Uh, and then he says uh, in verse 14. Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist. You know what the truth is. And if you're convinced that God has called you to the truth to pursue something, that is your foundation. And and, and people always say, well, how do I know that what God wants me to pursue? And, And oftentimes I would say that what God calls you to do will never contradict the scriptures. Oftentimes the scriptures is the first place to look. And so when you're like, oh, man, I think, I think it's the devil. I don't know what to do. Should I, should I steal from that store or not? I don't know. And I would say, that's probably not God's will for you. So what is the truth? What is the thing that God is calling you to do? Stand firm. Fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. A better translation in the Greek for righteousness is justice. Not only do do we need to seek the truth, in order for us to know what God's will is, we need to seek the truth, and that comes through the scriptures. And then it says, pursue justice. Pursue justice. Righteousness is what uh, the Bible says here. And oftentimes, this can be thwarted by Satan. Have you ever seen injustice? Whether systemically, whether it's in your schools, your work, your neighborhood, discrimination, racism, homelessness? Have you ever seen injustice? Then you have an option. If you see it, there's an option. You can speak up against it, or you can stay quiet. You can can do something about it in a wise and safe and smart way. You can do something about it because now you're exposed to it. Or you can be silent or or walk away or, worst of all, pretend it never happened. And I love how Paul actually exposes that. There's a lot of things you can do to stand firm. There's a lot of things you can do uh, to be strong in the Lord. He says to seek truth, seek justice. Seek justice. What does God want for you? What does God want for the world? What does God want for your neighbor? That is what we should pursue. Speak up. He says, put on shoes to go to proclaim the gospel. That means have courage. So seek truth, pursue justice, have courage to implement it. Because if you don't have courage, that can lead to falling of what Satan is pushing us to do. He says, the shield, go with confidence Put on the helmet, and I love this part, the sword of truth, which is the word of God. At the end of the day, what Paul is saying is you can go into the world, you don't have to be afraid, because God has already prepared you for this spiritual battle here on earth. And it requires truth, righteousness, courage, confidence is what the shield provides. And I love that there's this all-encompassing uh, ideology or this matter for Paul is to take the shield to block the flames and the arrows of whatever things come at, with whatever things that come at you. God has given us the armor to put on. And what we have to understand is that this battle between good and evil, this battle between God and Satan, is a battle that's history. It's already happened. And it's a battle that Jesus Have victoriously has won, has been victorious. And, And the demonstration of that is the cross. When Jesus died and rose again, he defeated, he conquered death, sin. And he says, it is finished. And oftentimes we don't live like that. And may we be encouraged today to stand firm, knowing and being confident that we can face any attack that we experience because the battle has already been won for us through the person of Jesus, through his death and resurrection of the cross. There might be a battle we face every single day, but it's a battle that's already won. And it's a power and it's a strength that's offered to us. Will you receive that? Will you receive? Will you stand firm? Will you seek truth? Will you seek justice? Will you take courage? And what God has called you to do, knowing that no matter what happens, God has already won the battle so that you may prevail just as Jesus did on the cross. And we may not always understand what is happening right before our very eyes and one theologian one of my favorite theologians NT Wright he was talking about Ephesians chapter 6 and he says uh, we're oftentimes like the frontline soldiers in a battle like in a real battle we're like frontline soldiers where frontline soldiers won't know exactly what the whole plan is they don't know what the commander has in mind when he has his people or her people move this way or that way It just doesn't know it doesn't have the whole picture but, but what the frontline people are to do is just to move and to follow orders and to, and to do what they were commanded to do. And you know what? Sometimes for us, we don't know that the way God works. We don't know why God shuts doors. We don't know how these cosmic forces work in our, in our lives day to day. We just don't know. But what we, don't, what we do know is that it's a battle that's already won. It's a battle that's already won. And so take confidence in what you are pursuing, what God has called you to do, knowing that even though there's battling or there's powers against it, that you will, as long as you stand firm, survive it, prevail, become victorious. And so what are the areas in your life that you need to stand firm? And as a, as a time of response, I'm going to invite the band to just, just come up and and. and play a song and this is for a time for you to respond whether by song or by thinking or by praying or by meditating are there areas in your life you know you know that God is calling you to do or to go but you feel like all the doors are shutting whether it's by a person whether it's by circumstance are there things that God wants, clearly wants you to do and that you just feel like you can't do it? May I suggest that you too are going through a spiritual battle. And that sounds scary. And that sounds like you can't do it. And the truth of the matter is that's true. You cannot do it. Which is the very reason Paul says, don't lean on your own strength. Lean on the strength and the power of the Lord. So I'm going to read this to you again. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Because the world is bigger than of ourselves. We know that. We experience that. We feel that. And because the world is bigger than of ourselves may we seek a power that's even bigger, that's beyond us. And that power defeated the cross will defeat Satan and the evil one in your own lives, in your own relationships, in your own communities, and even in the systems of this world. So don't do it on your own. God offers you power. Let's pray. God, thank you so much And though we experience this cosmic power, this battle, oftentimes within ourselves, may we know that this battle has already been done and completed and you have come out victorious. And so every single day, may we lean into that strength and proclaim that strength as we As we listen to you, as we walk in your ways, and though we may face and experience petition from others, may we stand firm and continue running, 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 running after what you want for us. In your name we pray, amen.